I'm glad that you are willing to drive through a tornado to be here. So I see a lot of devotion and dedication. There's some people that got up this morning and said, nope, not going to church this morning. But you got up this morning and saw the rain and thunder and like, ah, God's got me. And you came. And I appreciate that. I respect that. That is a great thing. And I'm glad that you are, you are here. Uh, this morning, the subject matter is going to be the generosity of Christ. And I guess I could, what I'm trying to do is build off of last week as well. It was last week we saw that Jesus came with preaching. He came with authority in his teaching. He came doing um, amazing wonders and miracles and forgiving sin. And so I want to emphasize that the generosity of Christ, that Christ came giving. He came giving. I want to share with you a scripture from 2 Corinthians before we uh, get to our study. It ties into it, actually. I intended to have two scripture readings on this morning, and I want to try to do that from now on. But I got a little distracted this morning. It's not a good morning for new things. So uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and verse 9. And we'll get to our other scripture reading as well that very much ties in to our study. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though being rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say. We see that Christ came. Uh, He gave up the great wealth of being in the form of God. Eternity in heaven. He took on flesh, as we've seen in our studies over the last two weeks. And He came into the world doing that. He came in through great generosity, giving us wealth, giving us great and wonderful things. uh, Things that may be coming to your mind right now, and we'll comment more on a moment. Before we get further into our study, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we ask Your grace and Your mercy upon us. Father, I thank you for every one of my brothers and sisters who are here today, who, despite the weather, are here and assembled as Christians on the Lord's Day. Father, we thank you that um, we can be here, that we are safe. We ask your blessings upon to keep us safe through the storm and after we head home. Father, we ask that you bless bless us as we study your holy word. May we take these things to heart. May they affect us. Father, may the generosity of Christ produce generosity in us. May His grace produce in us grace toward others. May His mercy and compassion be seen uh, in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, time of the year that we think about uh, giving and gifts. Um, For one of my children, it's the day that he thinks about birthday presents too. So, but if you think about your birthday presents you've got or a Christmas present you got that maybe it surprised you, that is stuck in your memory. Maybe it's something from childhood. You think about those things. What effect did it have upon you? You still think about it. And every time you think about it, you think how much thought went into it by the person who gave you that gift. How much they cared about you and how much they loved you because they thought about you and what they gave to you. And no one has given you any greater gift than what Christ has given to you as He has given you His life. And it is by His life and His resurrection from the dead and that great gift that He's given to you, an inheritance, He's given you redemption, He's given you forgiveness of sins, and many other things that we can put on that list, all a part of that, that one gift, we can all wrap it together if we wanted to, of what Christ has given us. 
What I want us to think about this morning is what's being expressed here from the writer from Paul in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 about the generosity of Jesus Christ, His great grace to us. Do you know how the generosity should affect your life? How should it affect your life? When you think about the the gifts that have been given to you, maybe it is that um, you got a gift from uh, one of your parents when you were a child, a Christmas gift. And so as you grew up, you wanted to do similar things for your own children. You passed it on. And when it comes to what Christ has given to you, you want to take those that, that gift and you want to pass it on. You want to give it to others. You want others to have it. You want them to know the generosity of God. And that includes in giving in every part of our life. It's not simply us saying, well, God gave us everlasting salvation, so I want to give it to others. Yes, that's the most important. But what is motivated here in Christ giving His life is that we, giving His life and giving everything and giving good to others, is that we do the same. That we be giving people. You cannot show love to somebody without giving to them. You give them your time. You give them your attention. You give them your life. You give them what you have. You give them gifts. All those things, every time you do an expression of love, you think about the words, the thoughts that you give to them. It all involves giving. I want you to listen to this. In Acts chapter 20, Paul has gathered together with some elders from the city of Ephesus, in the big city, and they've come down to Miletus. And he's talking to these elders. And he says this toward the end of it in Acts 20, verses 32 to 35. He says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. You be devoted to God and to His Word, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who have been sanctified. All that God gives you, you go to God's Word and you learn how to receive His promises that He offers to us. We hear it and we get it through the message. All right, listen to this. I have coveted, Paul says, I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to those who were with me. So, Paul says when he came into an area, he, he came working with his own hands. He, he, he emphasized to them that he didn't come to take from others or to gain or that it was merely a job to him. And it should never be that for any minister that the work that they do is merely a job or an occupation, but that it is a part of their life. Uh, It should be a part of everyone's life. Keep reading here. And everything I showed you that by laboring in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You're not going to find that quote from Jesus anywhere else in the Bible except in the book of Acts. It's not in the Gospels. You would think you would find that. You find similar things. But there, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Every year about this time, I'll turn on the TV and I'll hear someone say, and they'll quote and they'll say, my mama always said it's better to, to give than to receive. Not realizing who their mother was quoting. They didn't know where the quote came from. It comes from Christ. It's Jesus that tells us it is better to give. It is better to give those who are weak in times of distress, those who are in need. And we want to take what we see from Christ and from His ultimate example and what God has given to us and make sure that we are doing that, that we are giving to others. 
He says here that laboring you might be able to help others. It reminds me in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul is writing to address certain sins that were there in the church of Ephesus. And he says to those who were stealing and those who were thieves, not like they had that anymore, but he says to those who were stealing and thieves, now labor with your hands to do what? What's it say there? So that you may share with others. He says, you work to share with others. You have your job so you can share with others. The things that you have, God has blessed you with to take care of your own and to give to others. And I'm thankful that this congregation is a giving congregation. You know, the one thing that marks the character of the Thomasville Church of Christ is your generosity. You give a lot. I've seen it this year. Uh, you know, I know it when y'all give to... Um, when you give to Rain Tree, um, as some of us may have given to disaster relief, and I'm unaware of it, but the church as a whole is now given to both of those. So you still have a part in giving, whether you like it or not. If you give to the collection, you're giving. Uh, we give to those who are, are who are in need in the congregation, who are, are are in need, and so that that happens a lot as well. And you know your own giving, and these things that take place among us, the things that I have seen. Some of you, I have come to you and said, "Hey, uh, someone's in need," and I don't have to get another word out of your mouth. Your, your money comes out of your pocket like, give this to them. Don't tell them who it's from. You've done that. I've seen it. And how wonderful that is. And God bless you for that. Jesus says, again, it is more blessed to give than receive. And he shows the example of that to us. Now, our exposition, our big exposition this morning is going to come from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. So let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 9. We're going to come back to that verse I just read to you. But now we're going to get some context here. So when I look at the giving that goes on in the book of Acts and throughout the Bible, most of it has to do with disaster relief. There's a famine coming, some kind of devastation. The economy is down in a certain part of the world. And now the church is giving to help those who are in need. The church at Corinth was the first. They initiated in their generosity to be givers, to give those who are in need in Judea. And you can read about the first time this happened in Acts chapter 11. Corinth wasn't even established as a church by then, but the churches were giving. The church from uh, Antioch was given to the church in Judea as they needed. And Acts chapter 14, you read about that giving again. It is throughout the book of Acts. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you have Paul encouraging the church at Corinth. And he says this, Now, brothers, we make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. All right, churches in Macedonia, you got a plurality of them. You know where Corinth is? It's in Greece. It's in Achaia. If you looked at the map in your back of your Bible, you'll see, you'll see it there. It looks like kind of a V-shape there of Greece. And in the top, in the north, that's Macedonia. And you're going to see uh, there at the top of the Aegean Sea, there's a town of Philippi. And we know about the Philippians in the Bible. They were great givers, very generous. And you probably include Thessalonica and Berea and other towns up there. Those in Macedonia heard that the Corinthians were getting together a collection to help with disaster relief. And you know what they said? We want a part of it too. We want to do it. Even though they themselves endured affliction and hard times, they wanted a part of that giving. And so it says here that God gave them grace to be able to do that. In verse 1 of chapter 8, Now, brothers, we make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. They've been given the ability 
God has blessed them so they can help others. Look at verse 2. That in great testing by affliction, even though they've been through affliction and hard times, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their generosity. In other words, despite their times of need and hardship, they knew what it was like to suffer. And they loved their other brothers and sisters in Christ across the world from them. And they wanted to give to those uh, in need. Look at verse 3. And Paul says, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. How do you give beyond your ability? We're going to read about it. Look at verse 4. Begging us. These churches in Macedonia are begging us with much urging for the grace. For what grace? They want something of sharing in the ministry to the saints. They want a part of that ministry. They want a part of that service. They, they, they're urging the apostles and the evangelists who are traveling to take this collection with it and to put it with those at Corinth. And they want a part of that sharing. Why would they want that? Why is, why is giving so ingrained with us as Christians? And we see a lot of it right here. Look at verse 5. And this... <clears throat> Not as we have expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So when they gave more than their ability, I'm taking that right there, that passage that they gave more than their ability, more than that was in their pocket. They gave their whole lives to the Lord. They gave themselves to us. They've always been generous to us. Verse 6, so we encourage Titus. We encourage Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. So Titus knew about this. He's initiating. He's an evangelist working with Paul. He's coming down to Corinth to take this gift. It's the gift that we read about over in 1 Corinthians 16, where it says on the first day of the week that they set by in store so that they could help others. You can go read about that in 1 Corinthians 16 if you want. Look at verse 7. But just as you abound in everything, this is what they're abounding in, what God has given to us in faith and word and knowledge and all earnestness and love, you're abounding in all these inspired by you. See that you abound in this gracious work also. So, you know, Paul's giving them a head start. He says, you wanted to do this and you, put, you were the ones that first took the first steps and we're sending Titus ahead of time because we don't want to show up with some guys from Macedonia and find out. You're not able to do anything, and you already said you would, so be ready, we're coming. And then he says in verse 8, I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. So why are they giving? Because they're sincere, they're loving and compassionate Christians, and they give. Verse 9, he says, for you know, notice this, listen very carefully, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know God's grace. You know what's been given to you. You know the great gift that's come through our Savior. He says that though being rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know, that, that statement right there does not make sense unless Christ himself came from heaven. Unless he, he pre-existed his life in the flesh. That he was not first in the form of God. In fact, that's where I want to go uh, for the rest of our study. I was looking through my notes and past sermons, and I thought last year that I had preached on the hymn of Christ. Do you remember the hymn of Christ? Do you know where that is? It's in Philippians chapter 2. It's been two years ago that I preached on it. 
And, and I always preach these sermons, I think. I just preached it last month, and it ends up being years ago. And uh, I had to go back and say, well, maybe we need to come to this subject again. So I want you to think about the grace of Christ, how He being rich, He took on flesh and blood, He took on poverty for us, He took on death that He didn't have to embrace on our behalf as was spoken about on the Lord's table this morning. He did all those things so that He would give us great riches. And that great riches of eternal life and redemption and forgiveness of sin, we're able to take the grace of God and to give it to others. And now, I want you to take your attention over with me to Philippians 2. Look at the text that's often called the hymn of Christ. It's called a hymn of Christ because it's written in poetry, and it has a kind of a rhythm to it. It might have been an early Christian hymn that Paul wrote into the text, or he wrote it by inspiration of the Holy Spirit himself. But either way, I want you to think about Christ's generosity. How are you strengthened by Jesus' gift to you? How are you generous because God has given to you? You think about what's behind your giving. When you read 2 Corinthians 8, can you say it's the sincerity of love? Is that what's behind it? Am I giving? And if I'm not giving, do I not love as I should? Do I not realize what's been given to me? All these great things, I've been counted holy out of the resurrection to come. I have been promised a new heaven and new earth. I've been promised a heavenly country to which to, to live. Do I take those things to heart? Have they strengthened and encouraged me? What do you think about that? Because I want you to know this morning and realize here is the generosity of Christ. But I want you to also um, experience that and feel the truth of it. That it has an effect on your life. Does Christ giving an effect on you? All right, go to Philippians 4 and look with me. Let's read um, 5 through 11. That's called the hymn of Christ. I'm going to backtrack some after that. But look at verse 5. Having this way of thinking which is in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. What way of thinking? Well, I'm going to get to that. But now what Paul's doing is he's giving the foundation for this way of thinking that he wants them to have. And he says in verse 6, about Jesus Christ, who although existing in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or a thing to be held onto. That's just what we just read in 2 Corinthians 8 9, that he let go, that he, that he gave up on those riches and the presence of God in heaven and came to earth. And here you have it again, that he being in the form of God, put on the flesh. Being in equal form, now he's taken on the flesh. He has humbled himself. Verse 7, it says in verse 7, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and of those who are in the heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beautiful text there, telling us about what Christ has done for us. And yet... Is from this and what Jesus has done that should change the way that your, your heart acts. The way that you, you, you believe, the way that you live your life, it should all be changed. The way that you view reality is changed because of what Jesus has done. 
It's amazing the power of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what thinking did he want? What did Paul, what was he urging here? Now, the church of Philippi, he, he wasn't getting on to them about anything. They, they were doing well. But he was urging them, because of Christ's sacrifice, you continue to do these things. Look at verses 1 through 4, and you find out the kind of thinking he wanted. 1 through 4, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, well, do you take encouragement in Christ? If you got any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, do you take any comfort from how much Christ loves you and what He's given to you? If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, do you partake of the Holy Spirit? Do you have communion with God? If any affection and compassion fulfill my joy, that you think the same way by maintaining the same love, being united in spirit, thinking on one purpose, doing nothing from selfish ambition or vainglory, but with humility of mind regarding one another as more important than yourselves. That's the effect of Christ's sacrifice. The generosity which He's given to us is that we quit being about us. We quit being selfish. And it becomes about valuing others as more important than us. Esteeming others as greater than us. Do you hear that a lot? You know, world, it's always people talking down. Look how foolish they are. Um, these people, they're just, they don't know. Um, you know, we, we know more than them. We're better than them kind of talk is what we hear in the world. But this humility of mind has been give, given to us to value others uh, as more important than us. Not equal with us, but more important than us. You know, usually we're told, well, think of all people as equal. No, think of them as more important than you. Look at verse 4. Not merely looking out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. That's the effect of the generosity of Jesus Christ. Now, as we think about the generosity of Christ, does His love and what He's given to you, does it affect your relationships with others? Does it affect your marriage? Does it affect the way your relationship with your parents or your children? Does it affect how you work with your co-workers? Does it affect uh, your friendships? Can they see that? Has the great love and the gift of Jesus Christ improved your life? Do you want those relationships to improve? You know, some of us are more wired toward relationships. That's the kind of way we operate. We value ourselves by our relationships. And everybody we have connections with, all of our friendships and our family, that's, that's huge to us. And the love of Christ and His great gift should be reflected through everything we've been reading and studying this morning into every one of those relationships. His great generosity and giving. His great love. I want to make another point this morning from 2 Corinthians before we conclude. Go back to me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm not going to read a lot. Uh, I think I'm not reading a lot. But I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 9. I want you to look at these verses here. I want you to take encouragement now from the love of Christ. I want you to take this and I want you to listen to what is said here and the good that comes from giving. The good that comes from giving. When you're giving to other saints and you're giving to those who are in need, what use is it? Am I just helping them in distress because I care about them? Or is there even more coming from it? And there is. There's so much good that comes out of giving. So look at verses 6 through 8 in 2 Corinthians 9. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows with blessing will also reap with blessing. 
Okay, that's part of our scripture reading that we had before this morning. And God says this, He gives you a promise. If you're generous and you give a lot, God's going to give back to you. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like Luke 6 and verse 38. And Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. And they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For the, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. How generous are you? How much are you giving? We have an opportunity this morning. Was it the last day that you can give to help the, the, to give some gifts over to the children over at Raintree? And you got a few bucks in your wallet. It's something good to do. And there's other good to, to come. So if you miss it on that one, it's okay. You got more to do. All right, look at verses 7 and 8 here in the text. Each one must do just as he has purpose in his heart. You do it from the heart, not grudgingly, not because you have to, not under compulsion, he says. For God loves a cheerful giver. He, he wants you to give because you want to, because you know God's going to bless you from it. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make every grace abound in you so that in everything and every time and having every sufficiency, you have an abundance for every good deed. I want you to notice that last verse there, verse 8. Everything that God has given to you is so for you. Every, uh, every dollar you got in your wallet, every... Every number that's in your bank account, everything that's in your home, everything God's given to you is so that you can do good deeds with it. That's what the text says. I'll give you more scripture on that, but I'm going to keep going. Go any further down to verses 12 through 15. 12 through 15. And this is the good that comes from giving. Paul says, for the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, it's not just doing that. What else is it doing? It's also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. It causes those who are receiving to thank God. Not just for what you gave them, but they thank God for you and they pray for you. People who hear about it give thanks to God and pray for you. And then you're also doing the same thing. It increases to the glory of God. Every part of giving, from the giver to the receiver. And look at verse 13. Because of the proven character given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the generosity of your fellowship toward them and toward all. They're going to thank God for you because you're obedient to the gospel. Not just because you're generous, but because the gospel has changed you and affected you. They're going to worship God because of what you're doing and the great good that you're doing. Verse 14 and 15. While they also by prayer on your behalf long for you because of the surpassing grace of God on you. They long for you. They're going to be thinking about you. They're going to be praying for you. And I love verse 15. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. It all comes from that one gift. That ultimate gift of Christ coming into this world and what He has done for us. As we conclude this morning, I make a petition to you. What should you do with the generosity of Jesus Christ? What have you done with it? What have you done with His blessings? We see the great good that comes from our giving and our generosity. Let's grow in that. And in part of our conclusion, I want to share with you three quick scriptures right on top of another. Matthew 20 and verse 28, Jesus says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many, Christ gave it all. All right, John 10 and verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's given it all. 
Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2, Paul reflects and he says, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for you. He gave Himself up for you, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. I encourage you this morning, do not ignore the gift of God and His promise. Jesus came and He says, I am the Good Shepherd, and He gives us the bread of life, everlasting life. He gives you that this morning. He offers it to you. You've got to believe in Him and trust in Him and confess that He is the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, His promises are true. And confessing that He is Lord and that He rose from the dead and that He's given you the resurrection if you believe and obey the Gospel, then you will die to your old self and be buried in the waters of baptism and walk to newness of life. If you haven't done that yet, you haven't accepted the gift of God yet. You haven't accepted it. Because that's it. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Why don't you accept the gift of Christ? Let it change your life. And may you be even more generous to those who are in need. Whatever your needs are this morning, we encourage you. You can come right now. Let's stand and sing together.